rifling through those long boxes and bagging those books. Welcome to your home for Star Wars comics. This is the Cosmic Force Podcast, a Utini Podcast Network production. And now, here are your hosts, Tyler Reganti, Emma Park, Caleb Lamanek, and Jacob Bosch. Hello, and welcome to tonight's uh, episode on the High Republic. This is the Cosmic Force podcast, a Utini network show, as we talk about all the great things that are coming and going in the comic universe of Star Wars. But I'm not doing the show alone. Tyler, unfortunately, is out uh, playing a nurse to his whole family, but I will be uh, stepping into his show choose, but we have several other people that I want to introduce to you tonight. So without much further ado, Emma, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well, despite all of the technical difficulties that have been happening the last two weeks. Literally, it's funny, somebody mentioned in the chat, I think it was uh, Justin, if my memory serves me right, uh, you know, three times a charm. It was three times a charm last week, and now it's three times a charm again this week, and I'm just highly concerned. But <laughs> uh, we, we got we got it going. It's it's good, and you know, talking higher public is always good. And by the way, you guys, I changed up my background a little bit. Uh, I had to move, you know, my special edition higher public books, and I put. Let me see. Yeah, right here, uh, my special edition box set, uh, all signed, um, nice prominent position on my bookshelf. And I also up here is my uh, Skywalker saber I got at Disneyland. So. Feeling pretty good about my new setup. Yeah. Oh, and and, and how could I forget the two signed Funkos I got right right there? I really did some some cleaning up uh, today. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, really excited to talk Higher Public. It uh, really hit me in the feels again reading it. There's a there's a lot of that going on along. But before we uh, get too deep into this, uh, Timothy, how are you doing? Joining us and, from your uh, long California vacation. Oh my doing, lord! Doing so well. <laughs> doing so well. Um, and just like Emma, I yes. also oh these, wow, these signed. It's gorgeous. Was it? Wasn't it you that um, had that great idea, Timothy? It was not me. Credit goes to um, either Andrew or Oz. I can't remember which one, but we were all standing in line together and someone was like, hey, you should just rip the plastic off and get them to sign it. And I was like, oh my God, that's brilliant. (laughs) Um, I also did build myself a lightsaber, which is wonderful. Mm. Uh, But anyways, we'll we'll get to all the celebration stuff later, but I am living life. I am doing well. And uh, Stick Jacob also says hello. Oh, he lives. He lives. He he does live. Perfect. Well, and you might have already heard him in the background, but we are joined by another, uh, well, you know, Timothy's our permanent special guest, but now we have a, a less permanent special guest, but he has joined us before, Eric. Of All right. End fame. of phase one. Okay. Okay. Great, guys. I did it. I did Ooh, it. You finished it. Congratulations. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Just yes. in time. You're yes. a pro now. What's up, folks? Uh, so happy to be here tonight to talk some higher public. Emma uh, sent me a Slack message about two and a half hours ago. I was like, hey, <laughs> what you doing tonight? And I'm like, well, I guess we're doing this. Uh, but always happy to jump in and chat with you guys. Uh, obviously, love these comics. I uh, got a chance to, like, re-skim today. Uh, I... You know, I have my higher public books from Celebration, but I I only gloat on my own show <laughs> on Mondays, so that is behind me, and actually will be shown off in a different part of Utini, which we'll talk about a bit later. Uh, but very excited to be back talking higher public. Uh, you know, I do that every day to myself anyway, so why not? 
the week after I'm trying to recover from COVID, do two whole podcasts about it. So yes. well, happy to be the, here. By the way, you know, I did message him very last minute, uh, but I want to state, I, I already told him this, but I want to state it to the masses. I love this man so much for, for many reasons. This is one of them. I really appreciate it. Thank you. you. <laughs> it, is, it is sent back. And uh, I can't wait to talk about the emotional devastation that Kevin Scott and Ariane and Dito put us through uh, and uh, how demented Charles' soul is as a human. It's going to be great. Awesome. Love it. So looking forward to it. <laughs> Absolutely. So if you are joining us for the first time, welcome. We, as I mentioned at the top of the show, are a Star Wars comic podcast. We broadcast here live uh, right here on YouTube.com slash Utini every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. If you can't join us live, that's great. Uh, just join us when you can. We're also available across all of your favorite podcast platforms. We're also a part of, speaking of podcast platforms, the Utini network of shows. We have a Discord channel at utini.com slash Discord with over a thousand members, dozens of channels to choose from, and a great, lively, curated community. Like what you see and want to say thanks, then head over to Patreon at patreon.com slash utini. That's Y-O-U-T-I-N-I, where for as little as five US dollars a month, you can get exclusive access to the entire podcast network of shows, as well as exclusive merch, community involvement, and activities. Uh, Emma, do we have any new patrons this week? Not this week. Um, sorry, I was just shoving my face with ice cream. It's perfect uh, timing. It's always on. <laughs> because if, you're, if you're in our Patreon community, it's like you're getting ice cream every month, basically. Yes. Right? Every day. Well every day. done. Amazing. Every single day, actually. There's so much content you could do it every day. Um, but we do have some new content coming down the pipe. Um, cameras were out everywhere during celebration, so... Get ready for some new content from there. We have um, a behind-the-scenes look at Jared's tattoo, which I'm so excited for. <laughs> um, and then we also have... Eric, do you want to talk about this? You're, you're planning on doing a little something. Yeah. So I know we all, we've been showing off these High Republic box sets that we got of the exclusive editions from uh, Celebration. We saw some photos, but I decided that I've never done one of these before. I have not opened mine yet. I did not get mine signed That's under strange. the plastic. They're still pristine and sealed. Uh, however, I'm going to. I love these. These are mine. I'm not selling them away. Uh, so what I'm going to do, I am going to do a little unboxing whenever I do that. Uh, I was going to do it this past weekend, but like I said, I did unfortunately get COVID at Celebration. Knocked me out a little bit. But I'm feeling way better. So my goal is within the next week to do a full kind of unofficial fun unboxing to show you guys what those editions look like give you my actual first account of opening each book show you the signature pages show you all the extra stuff they did uh and that is going to be exclusive to patreon so because, i'm very excited to uh, show that off for you guys exactly because eric will probably be swearing a lot because you know he'll be so excited and we need to we need to we need to uh censor dad for the masses i have to say like yeah. i wish that i recorded myself opening them because it was quite the experience like i mean i had kind of seen a few pictures on on twitter and stuff but oh my god just like the feeling of them like in person it's, it's so awesome so i really can't oh. wait for that i know we we actually got a few comments on some of our living forces you know because i'm uh, you know, manage our YouTube channel, so I get to see all the notifications that come in. So if you have any mean comments about me, just know I see everything. You see all of them. Um, <laughs> and I saw there was like a couple people like requesting it uh, in the comments of I think it was a Living Force. So 
I'm glad yeah. we are doing that. And then yeah. uh, the other thing that we have from Celebration is I'm working on <laughs> a huge documentary of our time at Celebration. And um, frankly, it's extremely long. Um, our, fa- our, our first day, like, I think we were pretty, like, vlog happy, I would say. Like, that was the day we got the most footage. Yeah, from. it's our first um, time, yeah. you know, feeling it. So I put the first day together, and it was an hour <laughs> long. And um, I was like, oh, okay, that needs to be cut down quite a bit. Um, however, uh, I will be putting the full cut, like the super cut, up on YouTube um, for our just our patrons to see, and then the general public will get like the, you know, the trimmed down version. This is like the Snyder cut. It's the part cut of the. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, so, uh, yeah, definitely be Perfect. looking forward to that. Um, it's it, it'll probably take me a little longer to do. It's taking me longer than I thought because like all of the metadata and Google Docs or Google Drive got like destroyed. So now I'm like using everybody's T-shirts to try to figure out what day everything's from, and it's <laughs> getting a little complicated. So. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, definitely keep your eyes out on uh, for that, and you know we'll tweet about it and stuff. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I think we've got some uh, really fun Patreon content coming up for everybody. So yeah, I hope everybody uh, feels good about that. Yeah, I think we're really gonna try to take our Patreon post celebration because obviously everything before celebration was trying to get to Anaheim. Everything that we had yes. mm-hmm. was focused on creating that that booth, getting the panel together, getting all the logistics together, and now that we're back. A lot of us really have this kind of fervor to put a lot of content up for our patrons who got us there and who will continue to make so many things amazing in the future. Um, So I think a lot of behind the scenes stuff we're going to try to put out, even if it's like, you know, am I building a Lego on Saturday? Great. I'm going to do a time lapse throw it on Patreon. It's like, oh, are we going to a comic book shop? Great. We're going to fill it, put it on Patreon. We're going to try to get better about showing you the inner workings of the Utini team because that's who you're supporting if you go to patreon.com slash Utini and we want to be as personal and as open as we can uh, and kind of give you that side of our company. So look forward to that more 2022, uh, especially if you want to... Wait, hold on. This, this is mirrored this way. If you're watching us on video and you want some Patreon suggestions, talk to this fella in the bottom mm-hmm. right corner. Timothy is our Patreon manager. Uh, so if you're on Patreon... Uh, hit him up in the Discord or Patreon message or Twitter. Uh, send him a, a, a letter, I mm-hmm. think. If Please. you can find his address, we're not going to tell it to you, but if you find mm-hmm. it, send him a letter and tell him what you want on our Patreon and we'll do it what we can, right, Tim? And then I'll slap you with a restraining order. <laughs> Somewhere yeah. in the Southeast. A Patreon exclusive restraining after, order. Yes, after I give you a hug for finding me. <laughs> there it is. Very excited. All right. So, well, we don't want to waste too much more time because we got a lot of content to get into volume yes, for you. It's a it's a large volume, but we'll keep uh, trucking along. Uh, we have a weekly poll list. Uh, let's see, Emma, do you want to handle that one? Yes. Yes, I've got it. Um, so it. we have two new comics out today. Uh, first up is Star Wars 2020 number 24. Uh, called The Final Hunt, written by Charles Soule, with pencils by Ramon Rosanas and Madebek Musabekov. I definitely should have read that before I said it. Sorry. Nailed it. <laughs> um, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, uh, letters by Clayton Cowles, and cover by Carlo Pagulayan, Jason Paz, and Rochelle Rosenberg. Uh, and then we also had another one, uh, which is kind of interesting and new, kind of a, a new idea that we haven't really seen before. Uh, it's called Chrysanthemum, Star Wars Tales number one. Uh, this is by Jason Aaron and Kieran Gillen, with pencils by Mike Diodato Jr., Mike Mayhew, Mark Lamming, and Will Sliney, uh, with colors by Salvador La Roca. Uh, this is um, 
Now, Caleb, I think you kind of knew, or somebody knew a little bit more about what was collected in this. Do you want to kind of yeah. explain what this is all yeah. about? Yeah. Timothy, I think so you got it. It's essentially, I, I think, just living into the hype of seeing Chris Anton in live action and, and getting all this um, really cool content with him that they decided to basically give a greatest hits trade paperback of his more prominent issues in the Star Wars main runs and stuff. So I think it's cool. Um, yeah. I forgot that it was coming. <laughs> um, you probably already own them though. So don't probably buy them twice unless you're them. Emma. I know. Yeah. Don't know what I did. <laughs> yeah, but it is it is really cool to get like a concentrated look at at where he has popped up before. So yeah. I'm I'm glad they're doing it, but it's an interesting choice. Yeah, I think it's great for like people that haven't read Star Wars comics but are like, you know, heard on social media or whatever about this, you know, new character from Book of Boba Fett and that oh, he got to start in comics. I wonder what that was all about. Which issue should I read? Here you go. And so I, I think mm -hmm. it's good in in that way. I think, you know, for people like us that have already read them, it's like, oh, okay. You know, we can be happy that, uh, you know, hopefully we get some new comics fans out of it. I think it's very possible. So um, as yeah. always, all of the links to all of these books are in the description below if you'd like to get your own copies. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I said um, I was really excited about that one. So let's move on to what we're loving. Let's, again, try to touch on this. I know most of this is like coming down after celebration and opening up your books and everything. So, yeah. uh Timothy, do you want to start us out? Yeah, sure. So since I was not here last week, um, I just wanted to give an update of what my celebration was like. Um, and I absolutely loved every second of it. It was my very first time. I've already shown off the books and the lightsaber, so I don't want to make any more jealous. I'm not going to show them again. Um, I did, uh, related to our show, I did finally pick up the trade for yeah. Trail of Shadows. So Yay! I'm so glad and it is gorgeous. Um, again, I rated this a masterpiece when we covered it a couple weeks back. Um, so I was like, it makes sense. I, I have to have this in person. Um, so it was fun. But I think one of my favorite parts, honest to God, about Celebration was hanging out with Emma the amount that I did. Oh. <laughs> um, it was so cool. Like one, just to see everybody, like to get the whole team or as much of the team as possible together at this. We had like 18 folks there. Um, and then like just to pal around and kind of break off into different groups and emma and i ended up being tag team for like a lot of it um we got to go to most of the major panels together and i got to like watch her reaction to taking a picture with like rose and then like getting to talk to ashley Eckstein. and like i know that i didn't do these things but like <laughs> being there for it and seeing like the enjoyment um on your face and everything was was so cool so it was oh, like getting so to like i was at celebration but also living celebration vicariously through you and that was dope <laughs> oh, so, so nice. I love hanging um, out with you too, man. It was great to just like get to know you a little bit more. And yeah, you were you were such a champ, uh pushing me around a ton, like absolute, absolute so champ. Fun. I really appreciate you, man. Yeah. Kind of fun. yeah the two best course. parks in Anaheim are Disney and Emma. And oh, <laughs> dang. Oh, dang. <laughs> uh, but it was it was it was a blast. Um and like getting to to meet the High Republic authors and tell them how much the books meant, um, you know, to those of us that have read them and have been so passionate about this era that we're in now was just a really cool experience. Um and there's nothing like being in the same room with 60,000 people or however many were there, you know, like experiencing and loving the same things that you do. Like to be there in that and to feel that it's like just being seen in a whole new way um really loved it so yeah that's my update 
That's great. And you kind of had, you know, your own like mini adventure afterwards, right? You were like the only one that did. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So then we decided to go crazy. Um, and my (laughs) wife and I, um, then did just a California excursion. So we went to three, four national parks. Um, and, um, I had to, to pay some homage at the very end of the trip. We started with star Wars celebration and I did not get a picture to throw up ahead of time. My bad Emma. Um, but then I got to take a picture in front of the Yoda fountain at Lucasfilm. Amazing. We'll have to show everybody next week because it's it's cool. I will make sure to get it next week. Um, I definitely repped the Utini shirt though. So we have Good made a, a presence and impact there. So um, we are that much closer to a buyout, right guys? Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. how that works. The ultimate Utini end goal. The yes. email is in the bio. Just let yes. me know guys. Uh, I love <laughs> Everything that. has a price. You had such an epic trip, man. Like that's awesome. It's so fun. I am dog tired though. Mm, <laughs> I bet. Absolutely. All right. Um, not... I don't think we'll be able to tap, top that, but I'm reading Wolves of the South. Oh, that's hey, a good one. An yeah. Excellent. That's a fun one. It's, it's good. It's good. Like, I definitely, it, again, with a lot of these ones, it's like, you know, for those who don't know, essentially it's a, uh, you know, Darth Vader and the Emperor are stuck on a planet, specifically Ryloth has like the, the, many forces conspire to try to kill them like you know that they're not going to die here but it is sometimes fun to see that and go through i will say one thing that i kind of this is going to sound really weird but i do wish that we one time we would get like a really just gritty like hard r like star wars like short story or like novel i don't want all star wars to do that but just like Mm -hmm. in the intro like in the beginning they had one character who was talking about like her terrible times and like the, the absolute you know you know, bottom rungs of the Ryloth, like, you know, society is like, man, I would love to see like a really cyberpunky, just, you know, ultra violent, like, you know, uh, like Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to see that, you know, in like, in a certain like context sort of thing, you know, yeah. like that with, um, oh, what was that book I read a while ago? Like, um, altered carbon sort of thing just that really oh wow that's a name i haven't heard in a hot minute yeah (laughs) exactly it really like dingy sort of like this is rough and i don't like it's very much sort of a star wars like yeah (laughs) lords of the sith is a bit more like uh oh papa vader and papa palpatine just buddy cop movie <laughs> yeah There's a bit of that yes yeah. it, it's yeah. dark but it, it's a little light at the same time it's yeah weird. i've always said it, it is a it is a vader palpatine book on the cover but in, in the inside it's actually way more a champs and doula book yes like, exactly. a lot more of ryloth politics which is like fine but if you look on it and you're and you're like caleb said like you're wanting that like oh vader and palpatine go to town it's like well like, yeah I, said, I, I don't really want a vader palpatine go to town i've seen that enough i said i want to see like you know really like that just I, like I want to see like a a, st- a book without any like Jedi just like you know talk about like spice addiction. Uh, that's it. I want spice the train addiction. spotting of Star Wars. <laughs> okay. All right, Caleb. We'll put it on Kickstarter. See what happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your your book updates uh, always fascinate me because I feel like are you you're kind of like working your way through canon. It seems. Yeah. To me. Yeah. I'm ca- so, I'm jumping around. Yeah. I, you know, just I never know what you're going to be reading next. It's it's like it's so interesting <laughs> yeah. to me. But I remember like Lords of the Sith was actually like the first it was one of the first books I read and I had like recently finished Rebels and that was like the first book where I was kind of like wait a second I know that guy from like yeah I know and I like connected the connected the dots for the first time and it made me feel like oh like 
reading books is like super cool because you know you get to know yeah. these like inside inside things so that's a, yeah. a blast from the past even though it wasn't that long ago <laughs> yeah caleb i want to jump on you on yours to say what i'm reading because i have a similar book uh you've been reading lords of the sith i've been fortunate enough to be reading shadow of the oh, sith yeah. uh, which is the review copy that just came our way for uh, the upcoming book by adam christopher here i, I showed this up on twitter i haven't even shown this off is, on the is, is that yet. a direct sequel uh, uh and no <laughs> Oh, it has more Sith in it, though. It does have, though, our favorite. Um, it, it shares three of the same words. Look at that. Okay, so oh, yeah, this is I'm a very. Sith. I love the, this. Uh, this comics reference, basically. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> this. This. this uh, what is he? The, a glup shitto, as he's called yes. on Twitter. Ochi of Bastoon. Um, and Luke and Lando. It's very good. It's a thick, chunky boy. You can tell kind of where I am. I'm getting there. Uh, they did move up the embargo for reviews on this to June 14th. Um, I got an email. Our, of course, our Utini review always comes out the day of release. So this will be up on the 28th from us. Um, so, yeah, I can't say anything about it. But that's what I've been reading lately. Um, like you, Tim, at Celebration, I also bought Trail of Shadows uh, because I read it back when it came out. Also thought it was a masterpiece. And when you guys did your roundtable, I was in the chat and I was saying, oh, I got to buy this physically. And luckily, when we all went to uh, get the higher public author's autographs, you needed to buy a physical book something in order to mm -hmm. be allowed into the signing and i realized i had for better or worse owned every single piece <laughs> of merchandise they had except trail shadows and i was like nice. it's it's fate it's fated to happen uh which, although hilariously i didn't get it signed i got my i got a poster <laughs> signed so it is an unsigned <laughs> copy of trail shadows uh but yeah that's what i'm loving so far uh, of course you know i read um you know red star wars today Always a good time going to Charles Soul Star Wars. Um, but uh, I will say, just because I haven't been on the show since it happened, a quick shout out uh, to a completely unrelated comic, which is that Han and Chewie uh, comic, mm, limited series. Yes. Um, I've really been liking that a lot. Is that so a limited series? I think it's only like five or six, if I remember correctly. I might be wrong on that. But I'm enjoying it a lot, and I want to give it a shout out. And of course... One of the highlights of Star Wars Celebration was the Higher Public panel where we heard about the upcoming comics, The Blade, Blade. the next Higher Public volume, uh, Claudia Gray's comics. So, so much stuff coming up there. And that's uh, uh, those are such a lot good of what I'm loving. Such I love them. They're I so like we, don't, we don't talk about the Han and Chewie comic enough, I don't think. It's very under the radar. Very under the and, radar, yeah. I said, we only have two issues out now, so yeah. you know, we can't even do a roundtable on it yet. Not no, yet. It's pretty no. short. <laughs> and I feel like it, it had to have gotten delayed because, you know, they sure. all do, naturally. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like there's a long time between issues. Yeah, they definitely. needed to do 84 issues of Crimson Rain um, <laughs> <laughs> beforehand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely exactly. loved it. Oh, great stuff stuff so oh. uh, i think we're going to yeah take a super quick ad break, break. gather I'm our reread this over the break yes we're gonna like do a quick skim like super fast read and then yeah. uh come back and uh discuss everything about the higher public volume three so we'll be right back Wait, what happens to starlight beacon it's just not right guys exactly it just, ex it just exploded god it died so lots lots of death again we are here to talk about the High Republic trade paperback number three, which uh, you know, which was created and written by Kevin Scott uh, for the main run, and also Charles Soule for the uh, Eye of the Storm issues one and two, which are also included in this one. The pencilers include Georges Ginchi, Ario Anandito, 
uh, Gilmore Sana, and the covers were by Phil Noto. Again, it collects issues 11 through 15 of The High Republic and The Eye of the Storm, a two-issue miniseries. In total, it was released on May 3rd, 2022. So, with that bit of dryness out of the way, let's talk about some initial thoughts. We're not going to rate it just yet, but just some initial thoughts. So when you think of The High Republic, Volume 3, about the ending, what springs to mind? Mm. My heart (laughs) hurts. That's what I think of, like, just the most, like, gut-wrenching Star Wars that there is. And we see it from so many different perspectives, and this is just another one. And also, I think, like, specifically with this one, I usually think a lot of, like, Avar's sort of, like, turn and then kind of, Mm. like, coming back again. Um, That always really stood out to me because it was very unexpected. Like, you don't expect, like, the... You know, you know the hero of Hetzal to kind of go dark there, um, and then she does, and then it kind of makes you wonder, like, what's going to happen next? Like, is she, you know, what are we going to see next from her? Is that going to change like her relationship with others? And you know, I kind of, I, I, I kind of forgot a little bit who like survived uh, because you know, mm-hmm. just between the fallen star and everything, and just seeing that um, Kiev survived made me feel very happy because uh, I just every time I read a higher public comic I'm like oh she's such a good character like I love her so much so yeah. all I think about really is just you know how solid of an ending to an arc this was like it felt very satisfying and nothing felt rushed to me yeah I also love that you bring that up Emma because you know who I forget who survived because that was such the tagline mm-hmm. for all everything in this wave was who will survive like literally on posters and, and showing all of them and it was such a question and I, and I think you're completely right that the impact of the story doesn't get lost in the question of only caring about who survives I think Kevin handles it well which I'll I'll go into detail when it's my turn but I love that you said that I said to jump on that phrasing it was really really good and unlike a lot of other comic series these characters are staying dead there's not yes. going to be a, yes. a, a reboot. We're not going. We're not due for an, uh, a 52 reboot sort of thing, so we can get a skier back. Oh, we're not going to get the blip in five years. Everyone wakes up and was like, "Good, the nameless." And it's like, "No, nah, bro." <laughs> but, but Caleb, but Caleb, we didn't see skier die though. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. That, that, yeah, okay. No, just no like body. we didn't see Mace Windu die. That's true. Correct. Right. That's oh, well, he's yes. actually alive. Yeah. So. <laughs> As and much as I he'll don't he'll like pop it, up in phase left. three. And just he, like we didn't see the emperor actually die, he just was flown down that reactor shaft at the end of yeah. episode six. You know six. what? Why have not? How, we should just make two Utini shirts, and those, we should only ever sell two. And one should be Mace Windu lives, and one should be Mace Windu died, and just <laughs> see what sells better. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that would be it. Instead of doing a simple Twitter poll. We do some sort of scheme for us to make money. Merchandising. Merchandising. Yes. This is the, right. this is the, the the Ahsoka lives, Mace lives hashtag yes. that, that we need to push. Yes. So yeah. yeah. All right, no. Tim, save us from this craziness. What do you yes. think about this one? No, I uh, <laughs> when I reflect on this volume and having reread it again today. Cav just absolutely nails the relationship drama, I think. Um, I mean, all of the High Republic is built on relationships. And uh, like this couldn't have ended the phase, I think, any better. I mean, it it really went out on all of the high slash low notes. Um, mm-hmm. And especially with Eye of the Storm, you know, Marcion, Marcion has been the 
kind of the character that we don't really know what his relationship ties are or, um, you know, does he care about other people? What are his motives? And finally getting that answered in eye of the storm as well. Um, we, I just, I appreciated the relational depth that we saw, whether it was with, you know, Keeve and Skier or it was Avar and Maru. I mean, God, that last conversation was heartbreaking. Um, and then, yeah, like getting to know, uh, Mark Young's family history was just great. So they, they killed it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just gonna jump in and say, I, I agree completely. I think that the High Republic has always been amazing because it shows the vulnerability of our, of the shining hero so well. Mm-hmm. I think that every book, every comic has been all about showing us these people who are without irony or undercutting heroes. It's very much like the golden age DC hero, right? Like before Superman got dark or before any kind of things happened, like they were just good people that saved people. And that's basically like the higher public Jedi. And I love that it's shown us those feats kind of in the first two waves. And then this trade, especially uh, within wave three shows kind of when that all comes crashing down, then where does your heroism go? What can you kind of latch on to? And I love the dichotomy of Skier being like, you know, having a moment of darkness, having his lightsaber, you know, taken by Avar, but then at the end being like, nope, my heroism defines me. Whereas Avar being like, I'm the leader, I'm the leader. But when push comes to shove, her darkness and anger at the injustice Mm. of the universe wins out. And that final kind of image of Keeve holding Avar is so powerful because it shows what I think a lot of us feel in the, in the present day that the younger generation is going to have to really shoulder a lot of responsibility that they're not ready for because mm-hmm. the older generation has been beaten down so hard. And I think that that's a very powerful message leading, like you said, Tim, right into Eye of the Storm, showing that while these two generations are trying to find light and goodness, the evil is working and the evil is winning and the evil never sleeps. And the fact that the last page that literally says the end of phase one is the galaxy is mine. It's me. I'm here. Markeon Rowe. Ha ha ha. Like that's the last beat. And I think that's such a strong choice that really makes this, this volume kind of the final word on phase one. And I love that they respected the comic medium enough to do that. So absolutely loved it. Absolutely. Uh, just take a uh, kind of step back. I think we were when we did our review of our summary of volume two of the High Republic, I had some harsh criticisms of it, not because it was a bad story, but because I it, the way volume two, they had to split it in half between like two story arcs. Uh, mm-hmm. So this one, like rereading these five issues, it felt like a breeze, like these five issues flowed so yeah. well together and it moved so quickly. It felt like rereading these issues felt great. So like, this is an amazing conclusion to a great story. And I'm glad that the, the trade paperback collects a good, uh, like a really good story arc here. And then we get the, you know, for like a more appropriate term, the icing of the cake, which is the uh, eye of the storm, which is it really is. Yeah. Amazing <laughs> little novels that like essentially will like, I will, I, I'm so glad they broke it up into small little vignettes so we can get snippets and pieces of his life so we can really dive into what makes him who uh, Martian is. So uh, mm-hmm. without too much further ado, let's go ahead and get to the summary. So uh, Emma, will you take issue number 11? Yes, I will. All right. So 
Uh, starting with issue. Oh, that covered my I know. <laughs> It's already That's hitting so me. Good. When I was I was pulling all of the covers <laughs> for this and each cover I was like, That's a good cover. That's a really good cover. That's an even better cover. <laughs> like they're so they're all so good. Uh so I'm I'm glad I did that. We can look back on, on all the covers. So yeah. all right. Uh, issue 11 starts out with uh, Keeve and Tarek being confronted by the Nihil's super weapon, the Leveler, and they're driven insane by the attack. Sarah leads their fellow Jedi to the planet Zaeus to try to save what they can, and Avar and Skier hop aboard Vectors to attack the Nihil below. Skier bests Zetar in his armor and saves Keeve, but Lorna D is set to escape as Avar reaches out with the Force to hold her back, a la... Ray in the Rise of Skywalker, or a la Ahsoka mm-hmm. in Siege of Mandalore. I always love that move, like the kind of, yes, oh, I love or the that. was it Star Killer and Force Unleashed yep. with the Star mm-hmm. Destroyer, yeah. yeah, or oh, from uh, yes. the High Republic Adventures. Uh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, love it's a great that. move, classic, classic. All right, so that was the end of issue number eleven. On to issue number twelve. Um, Avar Chris can't stop the ship that Lorna is on and touches upon something dark inside of her while attempting it. She lashes out and busts Skier for acting out and takes his lightsaber and his rank of Jedi. But then he's like, oh, you need a trial in order to do that. So kind of caught her on a technicality there. (laughs) (laughs) I've read the bylaws. (laughs) (laughs) You clearly haven't. (laughs) Back at Starlight, Avar amasses her forces and information to strike at the heart of the Nihil at their great hall in space. Uh, and Keeve and Skier share a moment as he begins to forgive and heal himself. With their motivations all cemented, Avar, Keeve, and Skier, and the rest of the Jedi fly to the fight. And that was issue 12, issue number 13. I, this is like one of my favorite covers. It's so good. Um, yeah, it gives genius. me like major like prequels vibes. Something. You know something what this like is? That. It's the exact thematic opposite of the Vader Rogue One hallway. Yes. Mm. Yes. Because yep, it's all yes. the blaster bolts, but she's just defending instead exactly. of. Oh. oh, so good. Wow. All Star right. Wars. Uh, issue number 13. My goodness. The assault catches the Nihil unaware, and Avar qu- uh, quickly dives, drives through the forces, but her rage and deadly intent cause a conflict between her and Keeve. Uh, taking advantage of this, Lorna D in uh, Zitar's power suit attacks and overwhelms, uh, almost overwhelms the Jedi, but Avar rallies and disarms Lorna, holding her saber high, channeling her inner, <laughs> she is too dangerous to be left alive. <laughs> so that was It's a powerful shoot. image. 13, and I believe Timothy has the next That's one. That's me. Let me line that yes. up for you. All right, go for it. On a sidebar, I really love that uh, Zetar uh, calls Keeve Little J. That's just that's super random. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It, it's like a, it's a very like Harley Quinn Joker kind of. Oh thing. my God. But yeah. also, I love, the that only she, thing I, can think of. I love that she knows what he's talking about, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. For real. Exactly. All right. Anyways, uh, issue number 14. Keeve again interferes with Avar's rage, and together they take Lorna as well as many other Nile captive. En route to Starlight, they're held by Stellan Geos, the beautiful man that he is, mm-hmm. who informs Avar she has been removed of command on Starlight. More confusion is brought to the forefront when an explosion racks the station. Boarding the Jedi um, are attacked by the familiar dead space and the force. And then we go to issue number 15, um, which is I, this cover is so cool because of how mm. it mirrors issue number one. one. And it's just 
devastation. All right. On the brink of being devoured, Skier steps up and saves his fellow Jedi from the beasts, stays behind to hold them off as Avar and Keeve search for survivors. Keeve rescues Tarek and Serret, but Avar tries to save Maru, who is holding the whole station together. But Maru stays, saving Avar so she can lead the way again. The series ends as Keeve Trennis holds a weeping Avar Chris as newfound strength burns in her um, as starlight burns in the atmosphere. Mm. So heartbreaking. <laughs> I, I'm proud Why, of that Why? summary. Uh, yeah, that, that was, was very, um, very awesome, Caleb. It, it, mm. it still pulls at the heartstrings. Oh, good. Exactly. Cruel and unusual punishment is what that For is. For real. Yes. Mm. Even when as an amateur like me takes my pin to it. All right. So (laughs) on to even darker matters. Let's move on to Eye of the Storm issue one. Again, these are broken up into little vignettes. So the first one is the truth. On the planet Evron, a race called the Evrani, are sometimes referred to as caretakers, lived their best as they could until an environmental change brought about a cultural uh, devastation that also brought about a cultural change within the people. No longer capable of trust, they fled to the stars and began to focus on just their own self-preservation. Next is the lie. Here we see Asgar Rowe and his mother discussing little Martian Rowe 20 years before the main plot, plot gets started. Asgard kills his own mother to take control of the Night Hill and then sends his own son to fight for his right to control the storm. Uh, and then next up is the kill. Ten years later, later, Asgard lays dying on the floor as Martian comes across his battered body and watches his old man die. Taking up the helmet, Martian becomes the eye of the Night Hill. And there's a lot more going on in these uh, things, but so dense, I just yeah. had to can't skim off the edge here. Yeah, I, I noticed I, how like wordy they were. Um, I'm the, shocked that you got it down to just this. They're really like novellas. They yeah. really are. Each each one of these is amazing. So if you have not, and for some reason you're watching this, boy, you need to read these uh, issues. All right, I was a storm issue number two. We start off with the wreckage. Chancellor So is holding council uh, on Coruscant, trying to figure out what they can do uh, with this new enemy of the Republic, uh, Martian Rowe, rallying the defense force and the Republic to track down any information. But the Jedi make a statement that they are holding back and they, they are currently in the dark as to what is killing and hunting them. Next up is the hunt. This is a bit, this rewinds a little bit to months before the attack on Starlight Beacon as Roe leads a near suicide mission to an unnamed planet to retrieve an unnamed creature. He weaponizes his warrior's loyalty to the Nihil and manages to land on the planet designed to kill outsiders, capturing several nameless with his strange uh, power rod. They escape with many more Jedi killing nameless. Next is the triumph. Roe delivers a speech to his now emboldened storm. He revels in his triumph and his plan moving forward. The storm seeds, uh, he, he uses them to cut off the outer rim, devastating the Republic relief fleet, marking his territory across the galaxy. And lastly is the end. Once more, Roe gloats, this time to capture Jedi Master uh, Orbitok as he unleashes a leveler, uh, nameless Arshree Ray, 
to husk the Jedi as Roe smiles upon all he has wrought. Mm. Man, those are That's just... the gist. All right. Thanks for coming, everybody. That was a... Uh... <laughs> yeah. This is where I have to out myself. I am a, I'm a Markeon Roe uh, with the hard... That's, was that uh, what came my, first? I can't even. I can't remember. I don't know. Who's to say? <laughs> Marcion was the audio first. That's where Mark Thompson said it. That's usually the go-to, but in my soul. Anyway, um, gosh, Emma, you're showing these panels on screen right now, and like, the, what I what I really love. I believe this is the uh, the Gianti art instead of Ario on these issues, and Keeve's face full of fear is just so yeah. palpable in these issues. Like when she comes in, in, in touch with the Namos, with the, with the, the Shrieker eye, like it is like, oh my God, this is, you, you really see that she's younger than we think. Cause we know her as a protagonist. We know her as an awesome person, but there is such a difference. And then we get to the heroic heroism of things like skier here, like leaping out of the vector, being like, I am coming to save the day. And it's Missing like, oh, there are different hand. levels. <laughs> Missing a hand. Oh, God. Oh. But there's just, there's so many, mo so many moments of like high victory, high heroism, and then high tragedy, high fear. And like, oh, yeah, it and, really and takes even, you on the journey. Yeah. And, and even like, um, you know, Avar almost like rubs it in her face, you know, when she's kind of like in her dark, you know, kind of moments that like mm -hmm. you doubt yourself. And I was like, oh. Don't rub it in her face, my goodness! Dude, <laughs> it, we're gonna we're we're gonna talk about Avar here. Yeah. I see later in the outline. I got yeah. I got some I got some got some co words. complicated thoughts about uh, Avar. I love her. I love her. She's one of my favorite characters. Yeah. But it's a great, it's a good trade for it. her. I think I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so let, let's start with the uh, kind of the main throughput of this whole series, Keeve Tennis Trinis. Uh, my, like, since we're now at the end of this series and we've come to the end of her arc, how would you guys have say has she changed uh, over the course of the series? Like we talked about mm. her still being like uncertain. Like we definitely have seen a much more galvanized uh, Jedi Knight at the end of this series here. Like, uh, how do we you think we've seen this change over her? Well, I don't at the beginning of the series, I don't think she would have um, kind of had the, the guts to stand up to Avar. And now mm -hmm. she does like she kind of feels like she has that, um, you know, I guess authority, you know, maybe because she's had some more experience and, you know, she went off undercover with the Nihil for a little bit. Um, but I honestly think that sometimes it's like if you go out and kind of, you know, do missions and get more kind of real experience, I feel like that definitely translated into her increase in, in confidence. Like she just, she kind of like felt her place, like skier, uh, you know, he was weakening and uh, she kind of felt like she needed to step up, I think in a way. And sometimes like, you know, when there's a necessity to do something, you just kind of have to do it. And I feel like that's what she did, but you can definitely still see like her kind of, doubtfulness and you know questioning of herself peeking through sometimes so and i think yeah. that, that kind of shows that her growth was like almost a little too fast in a way like yeah. one thing i will say i really appreciate is we started like the first issue was her getting knighted and mm -hmm. <laughs> for a lot of people that thinks you think oh that's like the graduation like they are now an adult they are now a capable person but it wasn't until the end of this series that we you know 15 issues like a almost a year of the 
internal timeline later that she's finally become herself. And I think that's a really important sort of lesson to, you know, most people around her age and, you know, those who just graduated high school or college of like, you're not, even though it might feel like you're expected to be the person and the go-to and responsible and, you know, wholly formed to yourself, it's okay to still be learning and figuring things out yeah. at this point in your God, life. God, that hit me hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's real, man. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I True. I it's the exact same thing. And and one thing that I, I love that you said about that, I wanted to isolate, because I have all three trades here with me. Um, Ario, yeah, Justin, Ario is, an, is such a next level artist, because I wanted to showcase um, on, on camera here tonight, like two major things with Ario. So from the first volume, we have Keeve and Avar's first meeting, which is when she gets knighted, right? So this face is a moment of wonderment because her idol is like knighting her. Like she literally says like, Avar, Chris, you're Griffin amazing. Like that's her first thing. Like look at the hope in her eyes <laughs> yeah. and, the, and the joy. And then the last thing we see with her and Avar is this panel. And it is a resolute mm. face holding her hero from 15 issues earlier. And like mm-hmm. there is not an ounce of of kind of wonderment or awe there is in a resoluteness in kiev and i think that's really what i've seen with kiev from beginning to end even in just three volumes which is i mean in the terms of comics is nothing is nothing Mm -hmm. really um but she's but and it wasn't even rushed necessarily from a narrative standpoint it was really told well she had to grow up so fast and i loved watching her start as the awestruck padawan tonight being like I'm so excited to be a Jedi because I'm going to be like Avar. And then at the end, she realizes the order has changed completely. I now have to be better than Avar because Avar is now breaking a bit. And my new duty is to be better than my hero. And I'm like, what a burden to carry when you're that young. Couldn't imagine yeah. it. She is great. Well, I love and the her. relation, the relationship that she has with Skier as well. She wants nothing more than to make him proud of her. Um, and I think that through these, all of these 15 issues, there's, he is still in the picture somewhat, at least a little bit. Yeah. And so he, there's always that kind of crutch that she can fall back on. Um, and, you know, she says in that very first issue, like, I'm going to, I'm going to make him proud no matter what it costs. Like I'm going to make him proud. And even though it's a bit of a trope, I mean, like Obi-Wan dies in a new hope in order to loop to go on and fulfill his journey. And then Qui-Gon has to die for Obi-Wan to do the thing. It's kind of the same thing here. Like once Skier seems to be relatively out of the picture, that's when she's like, okay, I can't fall on you know my laurels anymore. I can't, I don't have a crutch. I literally have no choice because yes, my hero is at my feet and the person I would typically lean to is nowhere to be found. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's so, I mean, imposterism is real <laughs> and to see her overcome that um, in that moment and decide, you know, it's whatever, whatever it takes, I'm going to do the thing. Um, it's so empowering. Um, and I just, yeah. I love everything about it. Absolutely. Oh God. She's such a good character. You guys, uh-huh. ah. she really is so good. All right. So now here's the interesting thing about Trinus is she was referenced in, I think it was Dooku Jedi lost. Mm. Uh, maybe, maybe we, all we know is that there was a Jedi with the name Trinus that left the Jedi. Is this the same one? Could the, uh-huh. like, here's the thing. This, at, we end the series with her so powerful so on fire to save the galaxy like and after being seen her master die and be broken like could this jedi be the same one who would walk away from the order or do like 
is this a different one? Could it be one of her descendants? Or is I something think Anakin her? was it, like, Anakin was more, the chosen one, right? I mean, I feel like <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, something she, more terrible in store for her. Yeah, I mean, I think she's she's always been a bit brazen, right? And I, I think we've seen that through the 15 issues as well. I mean, yeah, she's not very sure of herself, but she projects this kind of cockiness, I guess, from time to time. Um, and she's always swearing, always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. But but no, I think that, yeah, I very, I very much think that it could be her. Um, you know, in the High Republic, we're seeing all of these young Jedi faced with so much at once. Um, I do think there's going to be a point where there will be some kind of a break for her. Yeah, um, I don't think it was an much. accident that Kevin wrote Dooku and then Kevin wrote this and brought her in. I mean, I, I oh, think God, they're, no. they're, they have a lot of fun being coy now mm-hmm. and then, but I think it makes sense. I think that Keeve's story will eventually be one that shows that the Lost 20 is not a cast judgment on evil Jedi. Like, this is not right. what happened. I think that the Jedi have always been a tool narratively to show kind of once you get to absolute power or overly dogmatic power, then people can leave for good reasons and things can splinter. And I think that even though the higher Republic Jedi are in such a great spot, like dogmatically, theologically, I think eventually by the end of these phases in the higher Republic, we're going to see Keeve especially become one of the lost 20 because of something further that splinters i don't know what it's going to be because it has to be something that pushes her beyond way seeking because that's mm-hmm. c- clearly on the table for now so maybe do they take that away and she disagrees with that or is it something that she's like it's nope i'm not i'm not just way seeking i'm not just taking time like yoda i am actively leaving when i became a master because yeah justin you said all the lost 20 are at the rank of master. So she has to go through it, see how the, you know, the sausage is made and then eventually say, Nope, that's not me. And I think we're going to get it. I feel like this, like the end of issue 15, I feel like that was kind of almost the start of her becoming like disillusioned with the Jedi. Because I mean, like we've said a bunch, like, you know, her hero is suddenly, you know, at her feet, you know, kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, going dark and yeah. you know, now she had now to stop Keeve her from one. murdering someone. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, now he was the one directly kind of, disobeyed her to bring Skier back. Exactly. Right. Keeve is like being her hero's keeper. And like, that's not how mm-hmm. that's supposed to work. So I, I almost feel like this is this could be like one of the events that sort of kicks off some sort of a you know cascade of events that then causes her to say, well, do I even want to like be associated with this anymore? Right. I could certainly see that happening. Um, but I could also see, you know, you know, she lives and I think we can assume that the leveler is coming back. Um, you know, maybe that, that causes some sort of like craziness. I mean, she's had like, uh, she's been like infested with the Drangir and then she's had contact mm-hmm. with leveler. Like, you know, that stuff probably messes you up really bad. She's I mean, had it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So I could certainly. I, Kevin did this on purpose. <laughs> and yes. Yeah. We know that. that. I think I think it's like it, it's almost a definite in my mind. When I first heard that, I was like, oh, you know, maybe it's like one of her, you know, like a long lost Trennis or whatever. Or, you know, maybe, you know, she didn't 
you know, I, I thought it was just like kind of a throwaway thing, but now I really, really think that it, it's going to happen at some point, and I think we are going to see it because I don't, I don't think that there's enough time for her to like, you know, if for some reason she were to have a kid or something like that. I don't think there's enough time for that kid to then become a Jedi Master by the mm-hmm. time of Dooku Jedi Lost and then leave the Jedi Order. Where so I, am. I think it has to be her. Okay. So moving along to Skier, um, her master, he's he's endured a lot. He has suffered a lot. Like he starts this uh, whole series having experienced immense trauma, having lost his uh, arm here, um, essentially cutting off his uh, connection with the Force. Um, I don't have too much more to add that I felt like we haven't already picked on here, but I do have a quick question for you to kind of open things up. Do you think the Force crippled his connection with it so that he could save his Padawan one last time on Starlight? Hmm. Uh, Doesn't he say I, that that's kind of what he thinks? Like, like it was the Force's will that that he... Or it was that illness. What was that called? Does anybody remember? Uh, miscare, illness, Marcure, I think. Uh, yeah, Matt... Uh, yeah, you're, you're yeah. close. I forget what it was called, but I th- I think that medically sure, but I think we kind of get a uh, slight Rebels spoiler ahead. Uh, Mac Rack Syndrome. Mac there it is. Syndrome. There it is. Okay. Um, but I think that every there, there's a point in Rebels where right before a character dies, something kind of unexplicably physically happens, and it's the Force willing it, essentially. And I think Star Wars is very good about that, that we can have long-term things but at the end the force can pull something special because it is as the force wills it i mean force skier's last words are this this is the way it was always meant to be the force is with me now and forever and i think that that's not a moment of severing force connection that is a moment i i would argue of actually being open to the force the most he's ever been in his entire life and Mm-hmm. I think whether he, he was using that to draw the nameless to him, uh, whether it was like his final burst of energy that he had, I think that in that moment, yeah, maybe mechanically, if this were a game, the force sensitivity wasn't as much because he would have been weak. Blah, blah, blah. Fine, fine, <laughs> fine. But it's a story and it's a story about a hero. And I think at the end of it, the force is with him, much like Chirrut at the end of Rogue One. He's like, this is my moment. The force is with me. This is my last sacrifice for the one that I love. And I think that's where he ended. Yeah, because who else would have stopped the the leveler? You know what I mean? Exactly. Like everybody else, everybody mm-hmm. else was, was force sensitive and his his connection was already kind of on to be the ropes. So about to say. I, to be I, I do definitely think that it was like on, per, like the force had like planned it that way. I think that's why he's kind of been deteriorator, t- deteriorating throughout this entire series, like mm-hmm. completely. I mean, he hasn't been well since like the first issue. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah it was, it was that, that final moment of self-actualization. It was finally coming to terms with who he is, his status in life, his connection to the force or not. It was, it was the, the Stellan Geos. <laughs> I know who I am. You and bastard. Was, <laughs> I know. How I dare know, you? <laughs> I know. It's a comic but, but show, Tab. I, I know, <laughs> but this is, it's his, it's his moment where, you know, this is his most fully realized as a Jedi since issue one. This is yeah. the thing that we are supposed to do. And this is my capacity to do the thing in. Um, and it's uh, that the parting, that parting couple of, uh, of, uh, panels with 
the him and Keeve in that final goodbye was devastating. Um, but it's it's some of the best some of the best work I think I have read in High Republic for sure. Yes. Yeah. Correct. They know how to okay. hurt us. So speaking of hurting, um, <laughs> let's move on to Avar Chris. Now, was yeah. her obsession, supposed obsession, with tracking down the head of the Nihil the right move? She was punished for abandoning her station by the council and by Stellan Geos. Was that the, do you think they were in the right by punishing her? And even if she had stayed, would her presence on the, on Starlight have changed anything? Ooh, mm, a lot that's of an questions there. Question. Yeah. I, I honestly, I think that they were right to punish her because she like clearly disobeyed the orders. But in terms of like whether she was correct in, you know, kind of chasing the head of the Nihil, I mean, I think she was doing it for the right reasons. I don't think it was like effective though, because I honestly think in order to, you know, defeat an enemy of that size, you'd almost have to like get everybody working together instead of, you know, trying to do it on on her own i almost feel like maybe the you know as noble as we like to think she is part of me wonders like if the hero of hetzel thing kind of got to her head thinking that you know she could kind of in a way take on like the big bad by herself and you know be the hero again and sorry i'm so distracted morden is being so cute right now. oh is he <laughs> oh my god he was yes so cute um hey bud there he is. Yes, he knows something sad is happening. He right knows now. it's happening. He's trying to comfort me. <laughs> oh, and um, so yeah, I I think she she had the right intentions. She didn't go about it the best way. I feel like maybe if she had, you know, gone to the council first, maybe recruited some more help, and maybe made a plan. You know, coordinated some intelligence. We always say that. Things in Star Wars would be better if people just communicated. I think that's the exact same thing mm-hmm. here. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the irony about Avar here, too, is that her force power is quite literally connecting people. Mm-hmm. It, it is listening to the song. I mean, that's Light of the Jedi. First thing she did was, listen, I'm going to connect all of you in like a pseudo battle meditation so we can move this thing to avoid catastrophe. And then I agree with you, Emma. I think that she had the best intentions to go. And obviously, like, she stopped some of it. Like, they stopped Lorna, they did their thing. But at the same time, I think the council, as you said, was right to punish her because there are reasons, there are rules that you are the marshal. And when the marshal abandoned the post, the marshal that can connect people through the force for a more effective thing, when she left, an attack happened that destroyed the station. So I think that, like, can we promise that if Avar had been there, she could have connected everyone and figured this out quicker and kind of avoided catastrophe. We absolutely, you can't prove a negative. You can't. Mm-hmm. But that being said, if anyone could have maybe connected everyone in a way, who else do you look at but the marshal at that point? So I think, right. I think while it makes sense, you can't deny that it had an effect, which is also why I think she's so distraught at the end, is realizing that she'll never know either if she could have stopped this. And that's why, the like we see on the screen right here, the admonishment by Stellan to his friend, but also co-worker, is so intense yeah. because she knows he's right. This scene hurt a lot. Like just, it did! Just like knowing their, you know, their past and then mm-hmm. knowing that he took her job because she's abandoning her post. It was just like everything hurt at that point. Yep. <laughs> and that's when you yeah. knew everything was going down the drain. 
<laughs> well, and this is also where I think I would plug that if you've exclusively read the comics, that's super dope. And I would encourage you to go back and also mm-hmm. read the novels if you haven't, because mm-hmm. there's also a lot of context from Stellan's side of things. And, yeah. you know, they've got they've got nameless possibly running around on the station. <laughs> and like so everyone's tensions are high and manipulated mm-hmm. in such a way that if they weren't there, maybe that conversation could have been a little bit nicer and friendlier. And, oh, and, and, and he was dealing with a jackass at this time. Coley Lynn. That too. Yeah. yeah, that too. yeah. Holy Lynn. Oh my God. Yep. <laughs> and the, and and the annoying robot. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So oh. yeah, there, there's so much going on. Um, I, I think she was right to go and do the things that she did, but yeah, the, the communication piece is so vital. Um, yeah, it, it's it was hard um hard to see the most effective person at that taken out um but i i like the way that it played out story wise though and i like that the avar kind of i i would kind of argue that this comics run is more Keeve's story than it is anyone else's but avar was still very definitely a focal point um and as one of the big 3 in in this line um you know with Elzar and Stellan as well oh, um, page. i know okay. i uh this one always gets it's on. something it's god mode that's what she's doing <laughs> she <laughs> yes. she's going super saiyan um, <laughs> she, she's going god so she mode ario's going god mode <laughs> yeah everyone everyone's everyone. going god mode it, it's funny that you say hair, that them because you know I, I said on our panel at celebration that like it's amazing that they put one of the like the biggest characters in the higher public in Avar in the comics and she gets literally all of her character growth in the comics because if you don't mm-hmm. read the comics at all you only see like the hero of Hetzel you don't get the whole like struggling with the darkness and you know trying to like save the whole galaxy you know putting right. the galaxy on her own shoulders you don't get to see any of that and so that's just another reason why comics are so important to this initiative. Yep. All right. So speaking of her uh, her title as the hero of Hetzal, with the fall of Starlight, what does Avar really have left? Um, like, she's the hero of Hetzal, but Hetzal's now in the Outer Rim and has been, I'm assu- assuming, cut off from the rest of the Republic. Like, everything she has striven for this these last months has been so destroyed or taken away from the Nihil. Um, how much more do you think her psyche can really take? I mean, she's got to be at the end of her rope here. Well, you know what? Every Wednesday on Disney Plus, there's a new show called Obi-Wan Kenobi. And <laughs> we get to witness this in real time, uh, which I think is great because I think it's honestly, like all jokes aside, it's a very similar story. Yeah. It's watching two master Jedi of their craft who had their entire world now kind of literally and figuratively destroyed in front of them, and they have to figure out how to go on. Now, Avar naturally has way more support than Obi-Wan did. Um, I don't think she's going to go into exile for 10 years, but I do think that there is a similar vibe now when we get back into probably phase three. Again, we have no confirmation, but I'm assuming we're coming back to these characters after this little flashback in phase two, and I think it's going to be her going into a lot of meditation into like taking steps back i don't think we're gonna see her in leadership right away again i think we're gonna see her and elzar maybe having to like kind of figure out how how they form again do they have to have people like keeve 
take over and, and, and charge on. But I think Avar is really going to go through a lot of silence and contemplation about what the Force is and what the song of the Force sounds like now. Because I think its discordance is very different. I'm, I'm going to actually like use this question to make a prediction. So Do I it. think she's about to deal with a whole lot of survivor's guilt because guess who should have been on that station? Not Stellan Geos, yeah. my friends. So I think that that's going to... Like, she's like, going mm. to go through some rough times and then... She, she literally saw her friend uh, Maru sacrifice himself because she, he said, oh, you're the one who has to survive, not me. Right. But I, I think that like Oof. in the back of her mind, she was like, wait, Stellan's in my place, and now Maru's going to die. I should take Maru's place instead to, like, even the scales, mm -hmm. and then he didn't let her do that. And, like, so now, mm -hmm. now she's got double, you know, the survivor At least skills. double, yeah. At least double. Awful. So the other part of my prediction is that double I actually... Double the survivor skill twice to fun. <laughs> 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 oh, goodness. I, I think that... I don't think we're going to see her, like, if... if Phase three does go back to, you know, this time period, which I think it's safe to assume oh, yeah. that it will. Um, I do not think we're going to see her in the comics again, because like Eric said, mm. you know, a lot of her upcoming like trials and tribulations are going to be emotional and internal. And that doesn't really work in the comic setting like a whole lot. Um, so I think that she's going to kind of be like, you know, one of the stars of the of the books and trying to figure out like okay, how do I deal with what just happened? And, you know, do I still try to go for the leader of the Nihil or, you know, do I change my ways because it's not working still? You know, I think I think we're going to be getting a lot of that. But I think ugh, she's in for some rough, rough times. Yeah. Okay. So moving on to some of the uh, darker side of this thing, let's mm. talk about, she's kind of like a fairly major character in this last bit, bit here, Lorna D. Mm. She had a very rough time of these in this last volume, getting captured, getting disarmed. Uh, last time we saw her, she just killed Jedi Master Orbelin uh, and was escaping on a ship. Do you think she's done with the Nihil now? Do you think she's running from Roe? Hmm. That's a, good, that's a hard question. I think, <laughs> yes. I think that she, based on Tempest Runner and this, I think that she is realizing that only person out for Lorna D is Lorna D. And I don't think this is going to be a... So that's time for predictions on my side, I guess. I don't think it's going to be, I'm going to team up with the Jedi because Mark Yen's the real villain. No, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's that thing. I do think that she is maybe taken off the board in the term of the grand scheme. I think that she wanted the Nihil to be great. I think she wanted to make money and make a name for herself. You know, say her name, never forget her, that kind of thing. But Markion's plan is clearly so far above that now that I think she's going to definitely be off and do her own thing. And I guess my question is, I don't know if Markion cares about her right now. Like, is she running from him? I don't know if he's chasing her, frankly. Yeah. That's a yeah. that's a really good counter question, because you're right. Like, he doesn't really seem to care about, like, much other than his own cause right now. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously, she has, like, Nihil assets, like, ships and people. But, you know, Martian probably has this, like, theory that he could just steal more ships and he can just recruit more people. Yeah. 
you know, so it's almost like infinite. Like he could find he could find another another leader. In fact, he probably even thinks it's like easier now because now there's, you know, less um, Tempest runners to like squabble against each other. Like yep. <laughs> he, he might even see this as a victory. I don't know. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm like, kind of he's going to kill him anyway. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's exactly. no way there were going to be Tempest runners once this was all oh. over. Oh yeah, you're you know you're yeah. right. Like, once once Martian had his victory, <laughs> they were all gone anyways. Like, yep. I mean, if he can kill his own father, he can kill he can kill them. Like, it's yeah. Exactly. Honestly, like I'm excited to see what happens with Lorna because I mean, as we see in Tempest Runner, like you cannot hold this woman in a cell for very long. So like mm-hmm. it's like at this po- at that point it's like what do you do with her? Literally, your options are she's gonna escape <laughs> at some point. Or you just have to kill her, but they're not going to kill her. I mean, you know, the the story would have been easier if Kiva just like let her kill her because then we wouldn't have to right. deal with the, <laughs> the possibilities. But I'm glad that she's still in the cards, though, because she's a super interesting character. And by the way, mm-hmm. she is freaky in the comics. Like, I mean, I, I could picture her, but I kind of pictured her more like Hera, like softer features. And, mm. you know, because that's the only I mean, that's one of the only like prominent like, green Twi'leks that we have reference for. And then right, you yeah. see her, her drawn in the comics and it's like, whoa, she, <laughs> she is not intense. That. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I think even though we got a lot of her story or some of her story in Tempest Runner and like her background, I still think there's a lot we can get with her, even if it is just as a blunt instrument. Um, like Markion is clearly the, the ultimate big bad, um, especially the way that he, you know, takes his name at the very end. Like I'm doing this for me, everything, the galaxy is mine. Um, but I would still love to see her as a kind of rogue element, just mass chaos, having the time of her life blowing stuff up, like sign me up for that. (laughs) I have a man. I have a pretty major theory that I will, I want to expand on, but first I want to ask you guys real quick should avar have killed her like she like is her survival going to be better or worse for the galaxy and i know Uh, i know jedi killing prisoners is a bad thing but in her escape she killed master orbalin the archivist like she's that sucks just yeah Yeah. out of she just blew his destroyed his like thing like in not killing her there like almost directly a giant mask was killed and she's still at large yeah, I think that this is, yeah, Tyler said in the chat, Jedi Don't Kill, I think, is is still the predominant theme as far as unarmed, like, prisoners. If they had yes. been during a fight, I think, if they had been actively fighting and she had died as a result of battle wounds, that I think that overall that may have been better for the survivability of some characters. That being said... I think that, like like with Anakin and Dooku, once a Jedi starts killing in cold blood, even one person <laughs> that maybe stopped a, a, a even that stopped the Clone Wars really to an extent, mm-hmm. the the ramifications of the dark side being that prevalent in a Jedi's life, I think leads to further chaos down the road. Justin, uh, <laughs> Justin in the comments. Oh my God, Elzar man, oh my dear. Oh. <laughs> There's, there's, there's still him. good in Kill him. him there's still, oh there's still, there's still good in him. Elzar man has never done anything wrong in his life. I will fight for my baby boy, Elzar man. Uh, oh my god, even, that was, that was really that one he is pure. Stand. He is no. pure and great. <laughs> to answer right, the question so. though, I, I don't, I don't think that she should have. Well, 
if we're talking about the fate of the galaxy, I think she should have killed her. If we're talking about Avar staying like a nice pure Jedi, did the right thing. So it's like it's a really tricky question. I have no idea how uh-huh. to answer it. <laughs> to quote a space a not space wizard, you know, um the pity of of El- of um essentially of uh of Kiev might just be the the thing that will save the galaxy. You know, kind of yeah. like, I'm getting like I'm I'm trying to make a, an analogy between her and Smeagol or Gollum here because yeah. this is my grand theory here. This may not come true at all, but I think Lord I like this. will be the one who kills Martian Rowe. All right. I like the proclamation. And I think it's like, absolutely possible. I think strong it's statement. I think I, it's a strong statement. We still don't know who killed uh Asgard Rowe. It might have been Lorna. We have never confirmed nor denied that. Yeah. Or it and, started to kill exactly. Asgard Rowe. We know and who who fine finished who killing Asgard Rowe. Off. So <laughs> you know uh, what I wanted to say is, you know, we'll get into a little bit more with Rose, but in his uh, backstory, we clearly see the only people who like kill like uh, Rose are their own family. Like we saw his mother, his grandmother be killed by his father. And they, they talk about that internal family mm-hmm. conflict all the way down. Martian does not have any other biological yeah. family, but the closest thing that we can say is left now is Lorna D. Hey man, every family has their traditions and I don't want to like begrudge (laughs) anyone, their family traditions. If you murder each other, maybe that's just what you do. And I, you know, some people just go to church on Easter. Some people kill each other. Like, I don't know. It could be a different thing. There is, there is also the, uh, the little bit where it's possible that she was the one that delivered the final blow to Asgard, right? Exactly. I can't remember if we've talked about oh, that. Yeah. So maybe, so so maybe there's some poetic, some poetic justice that comes back or something, and and she she delivers the final blow to to Marcion. I said, I think, I think that's cool. Know, I do not think Marcion will survive. Will this whole um, fiasco, this whole thing, he will die. But I think it's going to be Lorna D who does him in. I would like to see that. That that, that makes be, the most. I don't mind that at theme, all. That makes the most thematic and most uh, direct sense. I think. Yeah, because would a Jedi do it? I don't. I don't know. That's it. Like we cannot like yeah. I, like the ending of like that of like a Jedi killing Marsh of Row would be a really great downer ending to kind of play into like the fall of Jedi. But right. I True. think it's Lorna that's going to do it. I like that. We'll see. Okay, we'll see in two and a half, three years. Watch, it's Yoda that's just like out for blood. <laughs> Bro! And he's, and he's still portrayed as this like saint in the Phantom Menace. Yeah. But meanwhile, and he then just, he brings like, his, his cane. He's like, ugh. Ah. <laughs> I was like, bro, we just saw you. You just I cut know. his head off. <laughs> uh, just, that All reminds right. me of like, uh, you know, in, the, in like Lego Star, like the old Lego Star Wars, um, like the complete saga <laughs> one, like. You could only run fast if Yoda had his lightsaber out. But then when he had his cane out, he was all old and weak. And it took forever. <laughs> and it took He's forever just to get all anywhere. of us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I've talked about him a bunch, but let's move on to the man of the last couple's issues here. Marcion, Marcion, Row himself. The eye of okay. the Good. God, here we Good. Go. I know we're. I, I knew it was like <laughs> uh, when we first started thinking. Like, wait a sec, we're talking about Roe here, and Eric's on the 
on the team. Oh no. <laughs> you set him up for it. <laughs> exactly. So with the conclusion of phase one, how does do you feel that Martian here stacks up as a villain compared to all the other figures we've seen throughout the extended universe? Whoa. Oh, like let's not let's order. not pull let's not pull in like the main ones like Vader or the Emperor, just like yeah, you know, things in other side medias we have seen. I here okay, blanket statement. He is a more threatening villain, I think, than we have seen in the original trail the original Thrawn trilogy. I would agree with that statement. I would be I would be hard pressed to argue with that. Yeah. I, I said Way back when, I thought he had the most impressive villain introduction since Vader, straight up. Yeah, uh-huh. I think yeah. that, like, hit in Light of the Jedi, and everything up till now, including the Eye of the Storm issues, especially within this volume, really just show how deep his machinations go, how twisted he's willing to be. And we're still weirdly in the introduction, I think, of his true level of depravity. We, so We haven't gotten yeah. his full, like, you know, history, his whole like family backstory yet. I think we will get that in phase two. But yes. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yep. Well, and so the yes, thing I that agree. I the thing that I like about him so much is Star Wars, I think, and especially Legends, and I haven't I haven't really taken a too deep of a dive into a lot of Legends comics and such, but I do know that historically Star Wars tends to go, let's give the good guys even stronger force powers, and then let's bring in a bad guy who has even stronger force powers so right. that the good guy can get even stronger force powers. Mm-hmm. And I love that Markion comes along different to Thrawn because Thrawn uses his brains to do quite a bit. But Markion is... <coughs> you know, the leveler being a, let's level this playing field out. Let's take away the thing that makes the Jedi special. Right. And see if they can actually still do the thing. Um, And I love that kind of storytelling. So instead of trying to just amplify and my toy is bigger than your toy and, and, you know, continue to do that game. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. I very much enjoy the, well, let's just take away the thing that you're good at and see if you're still good. He's also like super hot. He so is unnervingly hot. Our our, 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 our dude, we had, he's holding a chain yeah. on the cover. Of the, they knew what they were doing. They did. They, did they knew what they were doing. Um, oh, also, like, Justin, great comment. Thrawn is lawful evil and Roe is chaotic evil. I agree. It's oh, that Joker yeah, energy. You don't know what's going to happen. Sorry, I might cut you off. Oh, no, that's okay. Um, It's just going to be a dumb comment about how- Do it. Well, no, that's it, fine. It, it, I remember the reaction of everybody when that the cover for two got released. <laughs> yeah, and it was just everyone like, lost their minds. Yes, the Is he holding my chain? Yes, am I wearing the chain? Bonk. Everybody was like, Everybody, stop it! He's not supposed to be hot, but then they made him hot, and it's like it's that. Well, if you read the Fallen Star. He, you learn a little bit about his proclivities. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but, but, that. But, oh, yeah, but overall, I, I, I mean, Caleb, to, yeah, to round out your question, like, I, I think that in order to introduce Jedi at the height of their power within the High Republic, which is what this initiative has done, it's shown us the prototypical Jedi following the dogma of the Jedi in the best way, listening to the Force, loving each other, caring for people and to have one villain that can threaten that entire foundation in a realistic way. And they nailed it. Like he has to be the best, like in order to do that should be impossible, 
but he's written well enough that it works. And he's such a big enough threat that he can take out like the symbol of the Republic that is, you know, should be like impenetrable, indestructible, mm-hmm. filled with security. Like he can do that. And he then can just, penetrate like, anything it. is what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think Boy. it makes sense. Eric, first of all, how dare you? Second of all, <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you said impenetrable. I'm just saying the opposite of that. I, say, would I be set it. you up for it. <laughs> well, and speaking of impenetrable, the, the, the thing of the storm seeds at the end <laughs> was yes, brilliantly yes. executed. Oh, I thought you were going to make a um, joke there. No, never mind. No, I mean, you gotta get my mind storm, out together. Do, yeah, do what you will with storm seeds, but for yeah. real yeah, time, like, cutting off yeah, the galaxy. Yeah, it's Incredible. it's so brilliant. Yeah. Yep. So then there's there's kind of the question of like what comes next for him. Um, and I don't know. I kind of cheated and looked a little bit ahead at the notes. Um, but it's like <laughs> just go there. It's like it's like I had to, so his thing and i'll just kind of read the question was like his big statement right at the end was that no one could tell barkyon what to do but he's kind of just following the destiny that his family kind of gave him so you know they seem to have suffered from the jedi there's something going on there but it doesn't seem like he actually has any real personal stake in this fight so like me i have to wonder like what is his end goal is it just the storm seeds are there and we're just going to kind of hang out and party in the outer rim or like, I, I don't know what comes next for him other than just being the big bad in his territory. Well, it's also, which he already is. It's already interesting that you, that you said that, like, what is his like personal stake in it? Because he's not even part of like a lot of the action. He's just kind of like sets up all the pieces and then watches mm-hmm. the chaos ensue. Like he doesn't, yeah. he wasn't the one that was on starlight you know, sabotaging it. He he isn't one of the Tempest runners that goes on raids and stuff like that. Um, he just kind of like sits back and watches. So I I, I also find a, kind of find that interesting that as, you know, I think we can all agree one of like one of the best villains, I think in Star Wars period, that he yeah. actually doesn't do much of the fighting. <laughs> he just like well, he just yeah. sets it up. And when the chancellor is talking to all the, you know, political figureheads there at the end, like she catches on the fact because they're arguing over, is it actually Roe or is he lying again? Is this the Niles, another elaborate plot? And it's still Lorna, like that whole thing. And she goes, no, but catch what he said at the end. He almost said the galaxy is ours, but he couldn't bring himself to do it. He said the galaxy is mine. And then he immediately cuts himself off from the rest of the galaxy. So I'm, yeah. I am so fascinated to see what comes next. Um, he's, he's so it's not obvious. He's so addicted to power, mm-hmm. which is interesting. And I think like obviously those most addicted to power are those who'd never had it. And that's why like so many of these like, in, in history, these megal, megalomaniacal, megalomaniacal tyrants oh, like are terrifying, especially when they come from not having a lot. The second that they get something, they're always terrified to lose it. And that that fear, you know, leads to anger, leads to hate. Like it, 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 it's all the same stuff in real life as well. And I think Roe coming from this place of having zero power within his own family to his father and his, his own people losing their power. He has now found those powerful beings in the universe with the nameless to the Jedi because they can defeat the most other powerful beings, which are the Jedi. So he controls the Jedi. He controls the nameless. He also now controls space. I think he's just deciding there's he's not going to stop until there's not a single thing he doesn't control. And I think obviously 
that will kind of eventually be his downfall. But I think I love the idea that he's not the one on the front lines all the time because you watch these like really terrifying historical tyrants and the most terrifying leaders nowadays are the people in the conference rooms, are the people mm -hmm. signing the pieces of paper. They're not the ones that are on the battlefield. Yeah. They're the ones like Roe literally basically sends suicide bombers into Starlight Beacon and goes like, go. And they do. <laughs> and he's like, go ahead. I'm replacing everyone with droids. Like his, his, his most powerful weapon is that he has now manipulated essentially his entire army into fanatics. Like we see that in his, mm -hmm. um, when he yep. gets an entire suicide mission just to gain uh, a few like beasts to hunt Jedi. He's like, it, the, the novel, the, the novel, the comic very clearly describes that he is manipulating and twisting these people's like interests to serve his own needs. Especially Senator Staros, am I right? Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. the, the most the most terrifying leaders will always be those who can use their personal intelligence to convince people they see as lesser that they deserve more and the only way they can get it is by turning fanaticism into action and terrorizing other people in the name of their leader. All the while, their leader does not care what happens to them. And I think that is the most terrifying thing about Marky on Roe. And I also think, I say this on Living Force all the time, writers write for the era in which they are living. And this mm -hmm. type of villain is the most terrifying person in 2022 because these are the types of leaders all throughout the world that get the most power and have the less amount of consequence. So watching someone like Marky on Roe do it on a fictional galactic scale is just as terrifying as the ways we've seen it happen over the previous years in various parts of the world. And I think it's very intelligent and scary to introduce this villain nowadays. Well, and, and, and leaders like that get preserved for longer, longer than leaders that like get into the fray. Like he, he is not at risk of dying in this, he's in not, this way. He, he's not about to get cosseved. Exactly. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. Like, mm -hmm. like these leaders are scarier and they live longer. So that's like the yes, double-edged sword of it all. In harm's way, exactly. Yeah. And they get to a point where the people that follow them also stop thinking for themselves. Mm -hmm. And when they recognize someone that comes along that does something like their previous, you know, like, like the predecessor that was leading them, then they're like, oh yeah, this is going to be more of the same. And I really caught it on the second read through. I'm trying to scroll through and see if I can. Whenever I have the storm depicts Asgar taking over from his mother, um, they were like, why should we listen to you? You're just this little boy. Like your mom was mean and she had vision and she had this. And then word for word, when Markion walks away from Asgard's body, it's the same exact conversation. It's why are we going to listen to you? Like your dad was mean and he had vision. Right. And it's, it, it was so interesting to capture that particular point um, that the Nile are so far gone. It doesn't like nothing is going to change their mind. They're just, they're going to go rampaged. Um, and it's, it's yep. just a beautiful, it's a beautiful way of capturing that uh, the villainy in Markion um, with the way that this group of people is just, yeah, it's just so menacing, so evil. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Let's uh, start, not playing to plane just yet, but let's move into the last little section, which is our discussion questions. I only have a couple here, but let's get the elephant out of the room. Of all the death in these last issues, which one hit you the hardest? Oh, there's a correct answer. This is so easy, and it's Maru. 
because of um because yep. of uh yeah <laughs> Well, and especially because of what uh, of our our interview with Ario and how he yeah. described that. that put me over the edge. Yeah, that put me, me over too. the edge. Me too. <laughs> you were always our shining light with that look in his eye. I'm like, how dare you, Kevin Scott and Ario and Indito? It is, yeah, it's perfect. It is not one. It's not a character that I even felt particularly super, super attached yeah, to either. throughout the run. Like, I liked him a like, lot. Uh, he was in the entire series, but I will freely admit, while I was doing all the notes for all the previous roundtables, like, do we need to talk about Maru? Nah, we don't have yeah, time to talk about fine. Maru. He, he's he's, he's around. the background. He's a cool dude. Yeah, and, and then, and oh Avar my saying, God. Uh, he's always, he uh, he's holding Starlight together like he always does. I'm like, ah. Mm-hmm. And yep. it's, it's, it. an, it's an almost exact mirror of issue one again like she's in the room on the ground next to the droid and he's up in the air literally with his hands up and instead of manipulating the functions of starlight holding it together it's just so beautifully executed by cav and ario that you wouldn't think that that would have been the thing to do you in and it does every time (laughs) yep Good. I'm glad we all said the correct answer because yes, it's it's. Oh, oh my good. You... Wait, like, I, I'm not going There's to a second disagree. answer. This is my I... answer. Okay. This say, is my I, answer. I have a backup. I wonder if it's the same. Well, this is my. Ba- we'll go to yours after this one. But mine's was actually not into High Republic. It was in issue two of the Iron Storm. It was the uh, the captured Jedi Master Orbituck. Uh, just, oh, like, okay. that was just like <laughs> so brutal and That's cruel because like yeah. I we only saw him in the High Republic Adventures, you know, the kids show where we saw like yeah. uh, he was yeah. the master and like so right. we like he didn't like it wasn't like he was in there too much. But he was just kind of a light, fun character that we saw. You know, yeah. he, we had a cool thing where he His had narcolepsy. like. The, he has like seven lightsabers Justin. of all the people that all of his padawans that he trained and yet oh. outlived like such a great yeah. sort of thing and the reason martian kills him is just so he can get his jollies just so he can watch someone die in front of him in despair <laughs> yeah, justin said he's the sleeper tonight. choice oh, oh god that's a sleeper good choice oh, oh, but yeah fire. just very much but yeah i said orbital just kind of got me of just like oh wow we're just going to remember this character that you really enjoyed in this one scene he was oh, in now we're just going to wow. watch him shrivel up like a dried shiitake mushroom <laughs> dang i that's the visual yeah that one's amazing i thought you were going so my, my backup was similar uh orbalin was my yeah. other one um mm. also because it does that thing that only comics can do it's the page turn and surprise yeah. i thought it was like mm-hmm. the, the way the panels were crafted was so good that it's like him freaking out and then the silent no no word just bullet right through by lorna d um and she insulted yeah that him. one got me yes that one really got me but oh, call, God, she called her like a like him like a, like a, a ball of glue, goo or something well, like that yeah, yeah. it's like it's our ball rude. of goo we love him yeah <laughs> they all hit pretty hard but yeah those yeah. three Pretty good, pretty good. Absolutely. So one last discussion question, which can of tied into what we were talking about with Martian Rowe. Rowe seems to be dedicated to destroying the Jedi. Do you think their retreat uh, where they said, listen, we can't, we have no idea what's going on. We have to fall back. We're abandoning our outposts. Do you think that's part of the master plan? 
he now has all the Jedi in one spot. That seems really dangerous when you're pulling all the cards of a Jedi killing weapon. Ooh. Uh, Now that you put it that way. Yes, but not for that reason. I say yes because I think he wanted the galaxy to watch the Jedi retreat. Because I think that he's playing a long game, which means he also knows publicity and social media. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And obviously not to that extent, but like the hollow net and all that stuff is actually is, is absolutely part of his plan. He knows how to manipulate that. That's why he does the big speech and everything in Fallen Star. Um, Are you saying that the, that the hidden lesson in this is that Marcian Rowe is the Nihil social media manager? He absolutely is. He started out as the <laughs> intern and he's worked he, his he, way he, up. He is his own boss. He is. Yeah, I think that he wanted the galaxy to watch the Jedi physically retreat and falter and look weak on a planet from their giant space station. I I don't think he's going to militarily hit them on that planet. I think he's going to mm-hmm. come back and let them kind of cripple themselves a bit. Uh, but I think that was I think he intended that a lot of them would survive. But the optics of that, I think, served him. I also kind of feel like see- uh, sorry, Tim, go ahead. Oh, we already see that happening too, right? In the room with the chancellor and her yeah. little political figureheads. Yep. They're like, you know, we're going to bolster. We're going to show that we are all the Republic. This yeah. is what you should communicate to your outer rim territories. And then, yeah. And then the Jedi are like, no, actually we're going to, we're going to come home. Yeah. Uh, sorry, because we don't know what's happening. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and then that's the yep. last thing that could be seen. Like if the order had already been put out and then all of a sudden the outer rim is cut off. That especially leaves them with no hope, which only leads into the feelings I think that we get in the original trilogy, in the prequel trilogy. I think that all of these things build to that of the outer rim yeah. being disconnected. They don't, the the core has no interest in us. Like we can see all of these steps kind of being being led that way. I also feel yep. like it would be like more difficult for Martian to get like you know, if, if his goal is to kill like a whole lot of Jedi, I feel like it'd be easier if, you know, they're spread out again. Like, you know, I don't think he has like the firepower or the manpower to like sure. attack them like when they're all, you know, <clears throat> in a group and almost kind of like I feel like they're almost anticipating something at this point, you know, because they literally said where they're going. Like it, and it, you know, makes sense that they're all going to go back, you know, to their their outpost all as one to sort of like in their losses and stuff like that so they're probably on guard so I, I feel like it would not be a very like smart plan if that was his plan to go mm-hmm. ambush everybody um he, he's probably gonna like wait it out almost wait for everybody to go back to like you know their own outposts and their own missions and then just kind of like try to kill them off one by one unfortunately i mean that was order 66 <laughs> right yeah he's gonna like that was it do, he's gonna do like a his own version of Order 66. He's, he's doing Order 65. Yeah. <laughs> right. Hey, so at the very end, uh, we need to, I, th- I think this will be a pretty easy and we'll be able to fly this through pretty quickly, but the final rating. So we have to go through and say, everyone's like, where, where do you rate this book? This uh, volume three of the High Republic. Uh, Emma, do you want to start? Sure. And really quickly to remind our audience um, from highest rated to lowest rated, we have Masterpiece, Incredible, Good, Fair and Mediocre. Not that we'll need any of the bottom ones, I'm sure, but just in (laughs) case. Um, And also I left out the Easter eggs because 
with the higher public, Easter eggs are hard. Like we've talked about this before, <coughs> uh, but I, I feel like our audience is kind of used to having Easter eggs at the end. But yeah, it basically everything just like ties back to other things in the higher public. And, you know, it's great. Just read the rest of it. Read, <laughs> yeah, yes. read all the other books. <laughs> yes, everything else. That, that That's the Easter egg, the higher public, period. End of story. Um, so yeah, I think um, my rating... It's not really difficult, I think, for me to say that this is a masterpiece. I think um, just the, the cherry on top was Eye of the Storm. We get more insight into Martian Rowe because he doesn't appear a whole lot in the books, but when he does, you know, he's a, he's a big presence. And just getting to know more about how he became who he was, I think, was great. And then, of course, just getting to see the events of, like, the Fallen Star and everything else in uh, wave three from a different perspective just hurt again and i mm -hmm. thought that avar's sort of like turn of events with her and how uh he sort of dealt with that uh was really great to see and i continued to feel excited about getting more of Keeve's character because i think she's you know she's easily one of my favorite jedi in the higher public now especially after you know, yeah. after this last volume where she showed just like an insane amount of of growth. And I'm I'm just I'm very pleased with how everything has like tied together and that the comics like this really is kind of like the final. I mean, volume three plus Trail of Shadows, you get like this gigantic mm -hmm. like stakes for the entirety of the higher public. And the fact that that is the case in itself as a comic fan <laughs> makes me extremely happy. Um, so I'm just I'm just glad that this is out here and that this is I mean, I would consider this essential reading if, you know, you're a higher public fan and you focus mainly on only the books. I, I think that so much happens here that, you know, you're, you're going to be confused about what happened to Avar, you know, when when she comes back and you're probably going to be wondering <laughs> who her friend Keeve is. So I think I think right. that this is definitely, you know, essential and, and I'm glad for that. Exactly. Um while I was reading this, I felt such strong emotions more than I have when I was reading in the other Star Wars comics. So just by that, that the page turn and like the gut punches and the feelings I was hit, I was hit with, I cannot do anything other than write this as a masterpiece, like between the artwork that is brilliant by Ario, mm -hmm. between the, the prose, between just like the fact that not all, just the, the High Republic, those five issues alone would have been a masterpiece, but the fact that they added on to this, the, the Eye of the Storm, which just gives so much beautiful backstory and beautiful story, this, this whole volume is a masterpiece and it deserves to be in any collection. Love that. Yep. And I'm going to have to agree. Um, there's, I've, I don't think we have seen an initiative, um, at large in star Wars come to a close quite like this, um, firing on all cylinders, the top of their game. Um, and even without, I have the storm, I, I think it deserves masterpiece status, um, just on its own. Um, the way that, yeah, that Cav and Ario were able to round out and give a, a very fitting, truly believable, um, earned ending to this 15 issue arc, um, is just so good. Um, so, so good. And yeah, throw on I the storm as well. I think, especially for how important it was that it was communicated to read. I have the storm is the very last thing in the phase. Um, 
I, I love that bold approach to making this comic be the thing that is the end cap to the whole thing. Um, and it, it's, it is also masterpiece level. So I have no more words to add because it's just so good, man. All right. Uh, so when we say mediocre, thinking, <laughs> no, I'm gonna, uh, can you imagine? Boot him. Cut his feet. I would actually, actually remove you from the stream. Oh, <laughs> uh, not even a little bit. Um, I mean, let's. What's more, Eugenie, than going four for four? Uh, I gotta throw this in the masterpiece category. Even if it was just the Maru Avar scene and then the Avar page, that was literally my phone lock screen, mm-hmm. uh, for oh, weeks. Yeah. Um, I think. I, I the amount of love creators have for their work does a lot for me and I don't think you'll see folks that love their characters and their projects more viscerally on page than Kevin and Ario especially and like you said Tim the addition of Eye of the Storm really even just bolsters this up it's like extra credit at that point it's so good um but it's really hard to end things as well you know we see that a lot with trilogies we see that a lot with book series like it's really mm-hmm. hard to end phases And I think this ends by one being a complete story. I do think that this is a complete tale, a complete tale of Keeve's arc, a complete tale of the Starlight Beacon. Um, But it does also really make you want to read the next ones immediately uh, coming this fall. And I think that that is incredibly successful. I think that all the artists involved, writers, uh, pencilers, inkers, colorists, cover artists, everybody is, is on top of their game with this trade. And I, I love that it's oversized. I, I, I wish more trades were this size. I love a hefty trade. So I hope that going forward, maybe some other like small little two issue things get put in. Like I, I hope we get more one shots and things like that. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, but overall, yeah. Reading this again, even briefly today, it reminded me about how much I loved it. I, I think that this is, st- since it came out, this is not a dig um, on other comics. I don't think another comic has reached the level of these since their release in the, in the preceding totally months. Totally agree with that. Mm, yeah. Okay. So, you know, which makes this a masterpiece and makes me realize like, oh, I can't wait for this to come back. Even though we're getting good stuff now, this is just a level above. Yeah. So happy to round us out four for four. Ah, our first uh, unanimous decision. That's true. There it is. Love it. Not shocking that it came from the higher public. <laughs> yeah, right? Had it happen one time, though. Very good. All right. right. Well, that will round down our roundtable. This was great. Great conversation. Um, So as we always do before we round out the show, um, I tell you guys what's happening uh, next week on all of our live shows. And um, for us next week, we have a special guest. We are talking about Valence and the Terminator franchise. (laughs) With uh, with Wes, uh, I am going to That's be so out. perfect. Oh my <laughs> it is god, perfect. I'm so it is, ready. It's perfect oh on a lot of levels um, jo, 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 because jo. you know Wes is awesome. <laughs> he's never been on Cosmic Force before. Also, I've never seen the Terminator, and he's going to be filling in for me. So it works. It works. Perfect. <laughs> it works well. Wonderful. Um, and then on Legends Look Back tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow they're doing their their Star Wars Celebration recap, <coughs> Legends Edition. Which totally means that we spo- spoiled Jared's tattoo for everyone. So if you're watching, let's just look back tomorrow. Act surprised. 
<laughs> don't say anything. Don't be quiet about it. <laughs> yeah, so, so that'll be that'll be fun. Anytime we talk about celebration, just it just makes me sad, but in a good way though. Um and then Eric, do you wanna tell the folks what you're doing on Living Force on Monday? Sure. Uh we were originally gonna do our Brotherhood Roundtable uh, based on the timeline. But we just decided to push that another week with all the coming down from Celebration. Timelines have been wild. So if you're reading Brotherhood, you get another week to read that uh, by Mike Chen. Highly suggest you do. But we are going to do our Attack of the Clones 20th anniversary celebration episode. Yes, the 20th anniversary was was while we were at, uh, oh, Star Wars Celebration. So we were a little busy last month. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but we're just going to have a little love fest on episode two. Uh, just the four of us going over some of our favorite moments from the film. Uh, kind of, you know, reflecting back on it as as older folks and when we first saw it as kids in the theater, how have our feelings changed about it? So if you love episode two, coming out with us on Monday night live, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern. And if not, of course, the Living Force feed, we're going to have that up next week on Friday. Oh, love it. Love it. Can't wait for that. Always love some, love a good love fest, but especially yeah. Attack of the Clones. Um, so that'll be a lot of fun. And uh, one more reminder for everybody that, uh, you know, we've got some more, some extra content coming your way from Celebration. So now is the time, if you've been thinking about it, uh, to join our our Patreon. We would be eternally grateful. We've got some really awesome stuff coming your way. Um, So, yeah, definitely keep your eye out for that. We will let you know when it is there. And uh, Mr. Eric Eilerson, thank you so much for coming on last minute. We had so much fun. It's always great to have you. And uh, It was such a blast. Definitely. Always, always. And um, we had a discussion about this before the show, people. We're going to do something absolutely unprecedented on (laughs) any ET (laughs) live show. That is, we are going to have our guest do the outro. So, Eric, you have the floor. All right. Let's see what happens. That will do it for this week's episode of The Cosmic Force. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the show right here on YouTube where you can hear these folks live every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. We also encourage you to subscribe to the audio version of the podcast wherever you will get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, you know all the places. You can also follow us on Twitter and tweet at the show at Cosmic Force Show to stay informed about Star Wars comics happenings all throughout the week or follow the host individually. I am at Eric Eilerson filling in for at Ty Rags. Emma is at Irma Jedi 26 Caleb is at Caleb Laminac, and Timothy is at TC Guthrie 2. For reviews, articles, and news for the rest of the Star Wars Expanded Universe, be sure to follow utini.com or at utini underscore US. We also encourage you to join the Utini Discord community by going to utini.com slash discord, and you can help support the show by heading to patreon.com slash utini to receive exclusive perks, all the behind-the-scenes stuff, all the extra shows starting at only $5 a month. A special thank you to Brian Dooley, Patrick Ortiz, Earl Q, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council, and Elizabeth Cloutier, Freddie C., and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command for their amazing support. Thank you to Emma, Caleb, and Timothy for welcoming me on this weekend. Thanks to all of you for watching and listening. We truly appreciate you and love you every single week. So these folks will see you next week. And as always, may the Force be with you.